You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Girls, ladies, and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium and Gale. This is Dan. Del Torrey. Nick, man, it is a pleasure to be with you today. Corey mm-hmm. is dealing with a couple of personal matters. He may join us a little bit later, uh, but if not, please keep him and his family in your prayers. Nick, my friend, I know that you've been feeling a little bit down uh, and out the last couple of days. How are you feeling today, my friend? Uh, it's my flu game. We're trying to yep. get through it. Uh, and probably, you probably hear it in my voice. Um, but we got some new, uh, cough medicine and we'll see if we can, we'll make it through. We'll make it through the show. I think we're going to make it through today. I think everybody around the world uh, is dealing with some sort of case of, of either Omicron, mm-hmm. the flu, the sniffles, the, you know, the sinuses, everything else, but it is a uh, definitely a, a wild time. I know about half my office has been out with some sort of sickness uh, today. So uh, so whether it be a hangover or whether it be Omicron, man, I hope you feel better. Do you have a good New Year's? Yeah, uh, not really. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> this has been going on um, since before the New Year. Um, tried out my uh, my my old-fashioned smoker made one drink on new year's yeah tell me a little bit about that you you post on the timeline with not a lot Mm -hmm. of uh information about it yeah it's um it's just a little uh this little wooden cap it kind of fits over a regular low ball glass um to kind of create like an air airtight seal and the inside has uh just inside the wood has a filter to hold wood chips and you smoke the wood chips and the the smoke goes down and sits in the glass. The filter kind of prevents the smoke from coming back up. Okay. Um, and it just gives you a nice little smoky finish to, uh, to a beverage. How, how was it on a scale of one to 10? Um, good. Uh, good. I only have the one of them. Uh, wasn't feeling too well. Tried to uh, kick my cough with some bourbon, which, <laughs> which didn't help. Grandpa's all cough medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, grandpa's cough medicine didn't work. Um, I've really just been like in bed the last two days. So have not started uh 2022 off very productively other than uh, coughing, coughing a lot. So, um, well, I can only that, go off from here, my friend, hoping that my new Tussin, uh, <laughs> gets me, gets me back. Right. Because, uh, I need to get back in the gym, need to be doing a bunch of other things. I'm telling you what, man, I, same, same, same. Uh, it's been a, uh, I'm dealing with, with something myself. It's, it's not the, it's not the Rona. I tested myself yesterday. I, got, I do have some sniffles. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a change of temperature here in Tampa that we've had uh, between yesterday and today, but I think we're both battling a little bit of, uh, of our flu game, uh, but that's going to hold us back today. Uh, but before we get on with the show, a lot of great news. Uh, we are going to celebrate the Gators 25th anniversary of winning their first national championship in football today with none other than the legendary James Bates. I've been talking to Redell Anthony a little bit today too. So hopefully trying to get him on, pardon me around the same time, but 
Before we do that, let's give a shout out. We have a new title sponsor for Stadium and Gale. We appreciate Greg Brunt and everything that he did for uh, not only the big three roll up, but for Stadium and Gale uh, during the you know nearly two years that we were partners together. Uh, but we do have a new title sponsor this year, uh, and that's former Florida Gator alumni and baseball player Alan Horn. Alan is a State Farm agent in Jasper, Georgia, that specializes in auto, home, renters, life business insurance, and retirement planning, not only in the state of Georgia, but in Florida, Alabama, and Tennessee. Check them out at Alan Horn. That's A-L-A-N-H-O-R-N-E insurance.com or give them a call at 706-692-2888. And Alan and his staff will not only quickly get you a quote, but make sure you understand your coverage and any questions that you may have. So beyond just the state of Florida, if you are in Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee, which I believe are four of our must top five listen to states, give Alan Horn a call at 706-692-2888 or visit him on Twitter and Instagram at SFAgentAlanH or at Facebook at Alan Horn hyphen state farm agent. Big shout out to Alan Horn. Alan Horn uh, helped sponsor uh, a lot of our events up in Atlanta last year when we were up there for the SEC championship. That seemed just many eons ago, uh, but shout mm. out to Alan Horn, and we are very excited to welcome to the State of Miguel family on a more permanent basis. So, Nick, want to talk to you a little bit about some of the uh, staffing changes or, or staffing uh, announcements that Florida has made uh, over the last week or so. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiatus just due to the holiday. Uh, but since our last episode, the Gators announced that they added uh, Kelsey Holmes, uh, who was the former director of nutrition uh, from the University of North uh, Carolina, Chapel Hill, mm. as the new director of sports nutrition over football. So Nick, I know this was a, a hire that a lot of folks were talking about for, for some time now. Uh, it finally did happen. Talk to us a little bit about uh, Kelsey Gomes's role. Or Gomez. Yeah, um, Kelsey, I think it's Gomes. Yeah. Uh, it could be Gomez. Um, she she was here previously um, at Florida. Um, well, at Florida, she worked with a number of teams. Um, at North Carolina, she worked with a number of teams. Baseball, uh, gymnastics, basketball, I believe. Um, eight in total. Here, just football. Um, so, director of sports uh, sports nutrition. Um, the, that's the the Gatorade truck that you know when we used to be at a practice. The Gatorade truck you would see, and they handle everything from weight loss, weight gain, weight uh, management. You know, keeping guys the same. Um, and, and those are really individualized plans. It's not just you know a, a cookie cutter. You know, it's, it's it's January 1st. Everyone's in the gym and you're looking at, you know, how to lose a couple of pounds and you pay some person on the Internet 20 bucks and they give you, <laughs> you know, the same Excel spreadsheet that they've sent out to 2000 other people. That's not, you know, what what this is. Um, it's really working individually with players. And and I think the biggest part and Florida's talked about it before, I just don't know if they've ever been able to really implement it soundly is you have to teach these players, these kids, you know, I remember when I was uh, a freshman in college, I knew how to make like the microwavable easy Mac. And, and that's what I knew how to make. So if I wasn't eating, you know, uh, with the baseball team or eating in the cafeteria, I was microwaving me, you know, microwaving Mac macaroni and cheese. And um, a lot of the, her job will be to 
teach the guys about how to cook for themselves, how to make those decisions because you can only be around them for so often. So the director of sports nutrition, not only is that setting up the meals for pregame, postgame, pre-practice, post-practice, stuff like that, but it's also a, uh, a, a teaching role of how do you make these decisions for yourself? How do you cook these things for yourself? I think that's going to be interesting. I mean, I know when I was there and I know that you've been around campus, a lot of time spent to Chick-fil-A and uh, around the hub and, and eating the Chick-fil-A sandwiches and everything else. So you think that some things are going to change or, um, you know, it's going to, Hey, how do you eat Chick-fil-A, but maybe get the grilled nuggets instead of the, uh, the fried nuggets, huh? I mean, what are those books called? Like the eat this, not that they used to be popular. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so that, that would have everything, you know, encompassing it. Maybe every player gets to eat this, not that, uh, book. But yeah, for me, it's that's more important than than just having her being able to you know design a program is is the teaching part. It's like, listen, the guys aren't always going to be eating what you're putting out for them. So uh, if you're going to Chick Fil A, hey, don't get you know this, get the grilled nuggets. Or if you're going to this restaurant, hey, order some. Make sure there's a, a something green on your plate, or carrots, or some kind of vegetable on your plate. And it's not just, you know, the fried chicken sandwich, which is slathered in cheese with fries next to it. Like, like there's something nutritious on your plate. Right. So, so Nick, I know that a lot of folks have like wondered about nutrition at Florida. They saw Mahmood's video. They saw, you know, some other videos, you know, over the last, you know, couple of weeks or a couple of months, I guess, uh, about what the nutrition program looked like. Did Florida have a nutritionist on staff? Yeah, over the last few years, or I know that they had one poached by UGA a couple of years ago, and some people are wondering, you know, did that position ever get refilled? But tell us a little bit about the program that that she's inheriting. Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that they ever did fill once um, uh, once Perno left. I'm not sure that they did fill that. Um, you're gonna get there's just so many people to feed. Like you're gonna get. Um, you know, a catered meal from, uh, you know, let's, let's say, uh, uh anywhere you're going to get a catered meal from flying biscuit or something like that. And that stuff is going to be delivered like while you're at, while guys are at practice and it's going to sit under heat lamps. Like that stuff's going to happen everywhere. Um, I think the biggest thing that Florida didn't have that the past staff had, they always had like a team meal on a Sunday. Um, and that stuff would be, you know, educational. New Jim McElwain, that stuff was ed educational. You're going through and it's kind of like a build your own plate, but then they'd have options like, hey, Dan, you're in the uh, keep your weight the same class and, and that would lead you down a different line. I'm in the, hey, you need to lose weight. And then there's silk, you need to gain weight. And we'd all have different plates at the same mm -hmm. dinner based on what we needed to go. I don't know if Florida had that role Um uh, or at least, at least someone heading up that role right. that they used to um, in in the last few years. So uh, that'll certainly be a change. And I've been told that Florida will be fixing their food, but like, listen, like the stuff that Mahmoud was complaining about, um, which he he told me in no uncertain terms um, at the Gasparilla Bowl, he was told to uh, cease and desist. Right. Uh, yeah. Those complaints. Um, but some of that stuff's going to happen when you're feeding 150 people on a Saturday morning. Right. Sometimes the option is to get, um, you know, a, a flying biscuit or a peach Valley to cater, you know, cater 150 meals. Yeah. Give me those, uh, those fritters from peach Valley, huh? 
Yeah, I don't know if that's on the Des Watson plan. Uh, I feel I feel like that is on the Des Watson plan. I don't feel like that might be on the. Uh, I don't know if it's on Des Watson's plan, new you know? plan. The, yeah, the fritters are not on Des Watson's new plan. Uh, that's like a Fenley Graham plan. Like, yeah, hey man, yeah. buck seventy. Let's get you to yeah. one ninety. How about some apple fritters? Uh, get that. Uh, you know, a little more, a little sauce. more yogurt for Des Watson. A little more fritters for mm. uh, Fenley Graham. Right there, you go. There you go. I spent Spencer hopping in the chat to let us know that Des Watson's down to 385, a healthy, slim 385. What a what a what a world to be in. Down yeah. to 385. Yeah, what a what a lean, you know, lean guy. Uh so the Gators announced. So uh, like Nick said, just to give a quick bio on her, uh, she was at the University of Central Florida uh before the University of Florida. She was at UF for uh, about two years and five months. And then she spent uh, the last about four years or so uh, with UNC. She's going to be welcome back, I believe with open arms. So welcome Kelsey Gomes to the university of Florida. Uh, after that, just uh, the same day, the Gators announced uh, that CJ Wilford uh, would be hired as well as a quality control guy on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Wilford's an interesting guy. He's only, uh, um, let's see, about 25 years old. Uh, he was hired right out of his undergraduate uh, days to be a defensive backs coach for Utah State, which made him the youngest defensive one, or uh, pardon me, defensive one, D1 uh, position coach in the country in 2018. I uh, spent the last couple years uh, with Billy Napier over at the University of Louisiana, uh, and the Gators announced that he's going to be joining the staff uh, overseeing quality control for the defensive side of the ball. Nick, any more thoughts? Yeah, certainly, certainly very young. Um, yep. He worked with, um, I believe he worked with linebackers. And then most recently he was working with safeties and nickelbacks last year um, uh, at, at Louisiana. This is obviously a quality control position. So off the field, uh, we're at 19 off the field hires currently. Um, and unsure as of right now, what position he will be helping with, um, cause the, the, we have, we've got a couple of those quality control defense guys. Um, but he has worked with cornerbacks in the, in, in the form of nickels, um, safeties and linebackers in the past. So I am curious to see the difference between personnel analyst defense, Joe Hamilton, uh, versus quality control defense, CJ Wilford, uh, to see how that, you know, ultimately plays out and, and what the, the difference is, um, you know, they, they could be similar. They could be just eyeing different things. Uh, but well, do you yeah, know, I think, I, think I, I do know the difference there. Okay. So like Joe Hamilton and is that Nick more of McDonald's, a recruiting role? Yeah. Joe Hamilton okay. and McDonald's are, uh, listed as personnel analysts. Um, so Joe with defense and Nick McDonald with offense, they are really identifying talent. So they're mm. watching high school players, college players, just watching talent. Uh, Billy Napier has said, okay. we're in a talent acquisition business. Joe Hamilton and Nick McDonald are guys who will just be trying to find players for the guys who can recruit to recruit. Okay. Not, not necessarily working with, so they're in the recruiting building, I guess is what okay. you would say and not working necessarily with the team um, that's assembled in Gainesville. Okay, perfect. So Jacob LaFrance and his team and player personnel oversees yeah. that side of the house. And then I'm trying to figure out quality control, probably just reports to either the defensive coordinator or the offensive and, coordinator. And it's going to take me a month or something 
Um, but once all these hires are finished, I need some kind of flow chart. Yeah. And, and I imagine it's going to look like a, um, like a mob movie, <laughs> a mob <laughs> That's movie right. where, where yeah. I'm like, I, I I'm like, I'm, I'm Hoover and I'm trying to like figure out, all right, here's Don Corleone, yeah. which is Billy Napier. And then what, how does the rest of the family break down and who works under who? Yeah. Um, you're going to have what we in the professional world call it. You're going to have your dotted line reports. You're going to have your solid line reports. You're going to have your random connections across the board. It's going to be a wild, you know, it's going to be a wild scheme. And, and I'm curious more than anything, Nick, and this might be a great question. Like when you and Billy Napier get the chance to sit down a little bit more, how that flows up, because obviously Billy Napier is the head coach. All of it's going to flow through him, but ultimately it, it's not right. Like but how much hits your desk, right? Yeah. Like, y yes, you care about what you're, you know, your, your quality control guys are doing, but, but how much of it does make your desk, right. Or, you know, how much are you engaging with your director of, you know, research and evaluation, your director mm -hmm. of recruiting innovation, or is there some sort of uh, chief of staff functionality that, that, you know, you know, plays some sort of, you know, gatekeeper role. I don't, I don't know, but I am, I am curious to see, because I think you've, you, you've said that Florida has, you know, announced what 19 off the field staff, you know, four in the strength and conditioning uh, side as well. So you already have 23 and you're going to have 10 on field coaches. And uh, I mean, if, if, you know, what you've said is true, we've probably got at least, you know, a dozen more or so to go. Yeah. We're not, not close to finishing yet. I think there'll be at least 25 off field staff. So more to go there. You've got six more on field coaches. I think that'll start shaking itself out. What are we in week 16, the NFL? Six, six more right or four now. more? Uh, off field, on field coaches. Yeah, one, two, three, four. We, five, we have six, six right now, so we should Maybe. have four more. Yeah, sorry, four more. Yeah, it's your flu game. It's okay. You so, missed yeah, a shot here and there. Uh, uh, we're not going to shoot one hundred percent. Yeah, that's right. Um, so from there, uh, the Gators did announce, like I said, CJ Wilford. Uh, not long after that. Uh, they announced that Braxton Morris was going to come in uh, on a similar role um, overseeing quality control defense as well. So he's going to be joining CJ Wilford on that side of the ball. Braxton Morris also uh, coming to the University of Florida uh, from Louisiana, uh, spent two years at Louisiana. Um, previously, he played football overseas, uh, played at Moorhead State, uh, I'm sorry. He played baseball at Morehead State. He played baseball um, for a couple of other schools, and then he played football overseas for two years. So be very interested to hear his story. Um, but, Nick, do you know anything about Braxton Morris and ultimately you know, his connection to UF and how he got you know, into this world? Um, no, I, I really didn't know much yeah. about Braxton. Um and and funny story, uh, I we couldn't find a picture of him. Okay, um, as we were trying to write, you know, write the story, we couldn't really find a picture of him online either. And I'm thinking, you know, how do these 20 year olds? Because there's a couple other hires that that you know haven't been announced yet that we that we may or may not know of. And we're like, where are these these people under 30 don't have pictures on the internet? I I, I don't know how that's even a thing. He looks a little like Spence. I can see that. Um, someone someone said it was a, a young me. Uh, I, I think that's just white guy with a comb over. I think that's yeah, yeah. white guy with a beard and a comb it over is, is what yeah. is what they meant. 
I would say I would say a little more Spence than you, yeah. Uh, you know, but but generic, you know, white guy with a beard. You know, you can Gen- say hey, this is Braxton Morris. You know, yeah, that's him. Okay, um, perfect. Spence and Money has always already been compared. Very good. Okay, Spence already has. Um, yeah, right. yeah, played played college baseball. Um, as you said, moved overseas. Um, played uh, quarterback at the University of West England. Would love to hear. Uh, what that was about. What, what, what was that experience playing quarterback at West England? Um, he was the 18th hire and uh, I, I'm not exactly sure of what those, you know, those necessarily quality control defense guys will be doing. I'm guessing he will be working with a certain position group and a certain coach um, that, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, um, you know, what his role or how it's going to differ, you know, from, you know, the what the rest of the staff looks like, you know, C.J. Wilford. I don't know if C.J. Wilford has, you know, he has experience with defensive backs, so I'm not sure if maybe he takes, you know, defensive backs and linebackers and Braxton Morris, the former quarterback, takes defensive line. I don't know totally how it works. Um, I know that Will Muschamp just – or pardon me, not Will Muschamp. Um, Dan Mullen, you know, for example, I think it's Dan Mullen – um, or was it Jim McElwain? I, I'm forgetting. Always preferred their their analyst to be somebody from the other side of the field. Um, so I'd be curious to see if if something like that is true for Braxton Morris, or if Braxton Morris just got an in, you know, with Billy Napier over at at Louisiana a few years ago, and obviously has done enough, you know, to impress him to to bring him over. Uh, but Braxton Morris is certainly the guy with the. Um, this is no slight to him, but certainly the most you know, nebulous resume, uh, of the, the, uh, of the bunch so far. And then, yeah. And then finally the Gators today, uh, announced that bird Cheryl, uh, is going to be, uh, and announced the teacher of college personnel, uh, he has spent six years with the Detroit Lions, uh, four seasons as a scout, uh, spent two seasons as a scouting assistant, uh, previously worked as a recruiting analyst, I believe it was a volunteer role at the University of Alabama when he was an undergraduate, which would have coincided uh, during the time that Billy Napier was in uh, Alabama as well. But uh, with the, uh, the Detroit Lions, uh, he did – Pardon me, did uh, several player personnel projects, evaluation on production of scouting reports, annual draft prep, free agency acquisition, and daily administrative tasks. Uh, Nick, again, in this role uh, as the director of college personnel, I would imagine that this role has a lot with the connection between maybe college and the NFL. Uh, but but is that your understanding of the role? No, this one this oh. one's easy for me. Okay. He is Bird Cheryl is essentially the transfer portal um, and junior college recruiting coordinator. Okay, his job will be to, uh, as we said before, talent acquisition to find talent in the portal, um, which can happen. You know, as we saw with Andrew Chatfield, you know, in, in week two, uh, week three, you know, in the middle of a season, um, it can happen after the season. Um, but then also uh, year-round finding guys who uh, either only spent one year in junior college and, and will be eligible to transfer for one year or guys who are finishing up, um, you know, their associate of arts and, and their second year and, 
and looking to transfer. So uh, Bird Cheryl, uh, essentially transfer portal junior college recruiting coordinator is, you know, the, the, the dumbed down version of uh, his job. Okay. So Andrew Burkett, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to piece together some sort of structure here. Our understanding, Andrew Burkett, director of research and evaluation is probably your guy overseeing high school recruiting. And then Bird Cheryl mm-hmm. is probably your guy overseeing JUCO and transfer portal recruiting. Right. And I get, you know, they might okay. be together on top of that, you know, family tree branch um, where, where I think like Katie Turner, I think like Bree would be right under Katie. Bree Wade would be right under Katie Turner. And then Bree Wade would have people under her uh, if we're, you know, starting to try to make a flow chart. I think um, Andrew Burkett and Bird would probably be next to each other, but handling different aspects of that recruiting. Interesting. Okay, perfect. I mean, obviously a lot of this will, and I mean, I think that, you know, and I know having worked in the department, a lot of this is, is going to, to move and shake with time. Uh, there's going to be times that, you know, Bird Sherrill is 100% dedicated to uh, the transfer portal and to junior college. And there's going to probably be time, you know, where his, you know, acumen is, is focused elsewhere. Uh, so seems like a good hire. Anytime that you're able to get a scout out of the NFL, obviously a guy that knows what he's doing, uh, seemingly a good hire. Plus, I mean, I think if you look at this staff, you know, almost all of them have a professional connection, you know, to Billy Napier bird is at least, you know, a tangential, a little bit, uh, relationship, you know, as a whole, um, I am seeing that, that coach Kaz Kyle Kazavikius is the assistant DFO for quality control. So when we are talking about order of flow, uh, CJ Wilford and Braxton Morris will probably report, uh, up to him as the assistant to the head coach. Um, with that being said, uh, Nick, I do want to ask you before uh, we get uh, James Bates here uh, on the line, who looks like he just logged on. Um, a lot of Louisiana uh, fans, uh, a lot of the Cajuns are raging right now. What are your thoughts on on Napier uh, grabbing a bunch of staff and potentially some players, uh, you know, from the University of Louisiana? Um. Well, if they want to feel better, uh, they can look at Scott Strickland bringing over Dan Mullen from Mississippi State, and that certainly didn't work. So if they want to feel better about it potentially not working, uh, recent history shows it might not. Um, but when, you, when you're a guy like Billy Napier and, and everything I've heard about being as thorough um, and as detailed as he wants to be, in order to do that right away, right off the bat, you're going to need to trust people. And it's kind of like what you were just saying, Dan, how much of that you know, he's the head coach. So everything is going to, you know, the blame or the praise is going to fall on his desk, but how much do you just hire somebody and trust that they're going to do the job that you hire them to do? And I don't need to hear about every little good thing or bad thing that happens in your day to day. I need to know, you know, the bullet points. Um, and, and if you're trying to hire a, a functional organization, you're going to be trusting the people that you hire to do a job. And, and I think you're going to hire a bunch of people you've worked with. And unfortunately for UL, that's where Billy Napier last worked and the people he worked with, he probably trusts. And he wants to bring people he trusts that he knows to do these certain jobs over with him to Florida to, to create a seamless transition. 
No, I agree. hundred percent. Uh, I do want to get into that discussion a little bit more, but I do not want to keep everybody waiting. Uh, we do have a uh, former Florida Gator legend and linebacker, James Bates, uh, joining us today. Um, but before we do that, I do want to give a shout out to our friends uh, over, pardon me, at Home Field Apparel. Visit homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale for 15% off. They are about to drop a brand new basketball line uh, that is incredible uh, work. Um, again, family, friends. I know we're just past the Christmas uh, holidays, but maybe a birthday, maybe you know something to get for your boss, maybe something to get for a coworker. Go visit homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale, all one word, get 15% off. Uh, highest quality uh, T-shirts that we've seen on the market. Um, again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code Stadium and Gale. James Bates, my friend, welcome back to Stadium and Gale. Thanks, Dan. I like that. I, I was about to argue about the, the legend uh, tag, but legend and linebacker, that's kind of <laughs> LL Cool J, ladies love Cool James, I'm mm. the ladies love legend in leather, long and lean, and I don't wear pleather. Last of the red hot loving machines. I'll take it. I'll take it just because it fits with the LL uh, vibe right there. But thanks for having me on, guys. Dude, I what an intro. What, what, an a, what an intro. I mean, you would, you would have thought that he prepared that and I rehearsed that for, for weeks now. <laughs> that, that's why we love having James Bates. James, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I know uh, our uh, third co-host, Silk, that, that had to back out for tonight is going to be disappointed that he missed you today. Uh, but, James, we are celebrating the Gators' 25th anniversary of winning their first national championship in 1996. Um, I want to get, you know, when we talked about you on the show before, we talked a little bit about your recruiting, about your time at UF. I want to learn a, a little bit about that season because I know that there's a lot of ebbs and flows in that season. So um, I guess starting from the beginning, going into that 1996, you know, season, James, did you guys know, you know, I know that you guys came off a rough loss to Nebraska in the 95 national championship. Did you think that you guys have the, the team to compete for that national championship, you know, starting in, in spring and in summer, or, you know, when did it finally hit you that, Hey, this could, this could really happen. It, it to be honest, it, it really, there were, there was something about those years and, you know, we, this was the the tail end at the end of 96 of four straight SEC championships. And it was a, when you just kind of, you know, ain't bragging if it's true, if you kind of own the SEC like we did from day one, as you know, we went in that class of 92, most of us were redshirted. Reggie Green, Dexter Daniels, Jason Odom, I think are the only three that, that played as true freshmen. And we went in as the number one recruiting class in the nation and we won all these football games and, and the head ball coach was running the show and he was, you know, he was just, he just oozed of confidence and we knew we were, we expected to win every single game we played in. And it wasn't like a maybe thing. We just expected to win. So when we finally got to 95, I mean, I, Going into the Nebraska game, I, I thought – I didn't really think there was a way that, you know, we had a lot of guys that ran the option in high school and we had a lot of great athletes, obviously. So I felt like we had the upper hand. I felt like we could get a look what we were going to get from them, but they didn't have any way of giving their defense a look of what they were going to get out of Coach Spurrier in the fun and gun. And, boy, was I wrong. And then, you know, as we kind of 
you know, licking our wounds and, and into that summer, it, you hear it a lot and, and it sounds kind of cliche-ish, but it's like, oh, you know, we tasted that and, and there was no, nothing that was going to get in our way at that point. But it was true. We worked so hard and we worked so hard together. Uh, and I said this quite a bit over the years, but I believe this as much as anything going into that season. In the preseason magazine, everybody's going to make their predictions on who's going to do what, or they've got this quarterback back or all these guys back. And But the one thing that you cannot put your finger on, on the outside looking in, because everybody's going to tell you, oh, yeah, we love each other. We care for one another. But I, I don't know that it's, that it's possible to care about each other any more than we did and to have each other's backs any more than we did. And I think that that, that – that coupled with just the expectations of winning with the, the defeat that we tasted, you get so close and so hard in college football, no matter how good you are to control everything, to make it to that national championship game. But, but really the, the one thing was, was the glue and, and just the, the bond that we all had and the, the fun that we had together. This was a team that when practice was over after a day of lifting weights, classes, meetings, watching tape on your own, long practice. You didn't have everybody like, poof, trying to get out of the locker room. We, we liked being around one another, and we, you know, it was those, – those were my buddies. I mean, looking at those pictures on Twitter the last couple of days as we celebrate 25 years, I mean, just, just great dudes and great friends and great memories uh, off of the football field and in the locker room and on those buses and everything like that. So – it, 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 we just expected to be there every single year. And, you know, it just, uh, fortunately we were able to finish it off, uh, in our senior year there we came in as number one and left as number one as well. What I think the big, the biggest game probably early on at least was that Tennessee game. Um, and that's your first chance to, I think you guys are ranked number three coming into the year. They're number one. Um, it's at Tennessee. Everyone knows the history with, with coach, um, in the University of Tennessee, can you just take us into that? Because you get your kind of first two warm-up games, and then right away, as it was, you know, in the '90s, Florida, Tennessee. Whoever wins that game is in the driver's seat. What was that like? Number one, number three uh, in Knoxville. Yeah, I, I think it's really set up. If if I were a head coach or an athletic director, I think it's a, it's a really conveniently, you know, it just happened that Tennessee was sat there for us each year uh, that I was there that early. And that was the clash of the Titans, but you also had a little bit of a buildup, some, some teams to, uh, to get ready for. You didn't open the season with that, but at the same time you had Tennessee circled and that was the motivation uh, throughout the off season workouts. You know, that's, that's the team that you had to beat uh, to, to, you know, be in a pole position to go to Atlanta and, and, you know, and, and so you, it really gave you something to shoot for, but at the same time, you had a little bit of a warm up, uh, which was really nice. Some of these teams that just dive right into it and here you've got Alabama in week one or, or, you know, these, these big dogs in week one, it's kind of scary. Yeah. You've got the motivation and, but you don't know exactly how and, and where everything fits. And, and you're right. In 96, we go up there and we, you know, we, we got the better of them for the previous three years. And now they've got Peyton as their starting quarterback, and they just knew that this was the, their chance to finally get Spurrier and the Gators. And, and, and I went to high school at Sevier County High School about 20 minutes or so from Knoxville. So it, it was extra special, extra important for me 
And um, that, that to me, that's, that's my favorite uh, game, favorite memory as a Florida Gator to go up there and to make it four in a row uh, to beat them, you know, to, to be able to contribute like I did, uh, had an interception against uh, the, I think Peyton is how you say his name, Peyton Manning. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing now, like commercials or something. But yeah, so that was just, that was a special. I think he sells, in, he sells insurance. Yeah. He does a lot of That's TV right. these days. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. living in his brother's shadow. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. Uh, so, so James, obviously you go into the season, you know, very, you know, I want to go back to, to what you're talking about before you have a lot of camaraderie, the team, the team obviously, you know, grew up together, was very, very close. Is it something that, that Spurrier did or the coaching staff did, or was it just, you know, the, the makeup of the group of guys that were together, but, you know, we're hearing a lot now and I'm not trying to compare 96 to the 2021 and, you know, student athletes or anything else, but I'm just curious to see, you know, why were you guys so close or how did you guys get so close? I think, I think that we had great leaders, you know, Lawrence Wright was a great leader and, and uh, Danny Warfel was an incredible leader. Donnie Young was a great leader. I, I'm very proud uh, to have been a captain on that team as well. And, you know, and to be voted by your peers, by your teammates, um, just they think that you're going to be one of the uh, four or five guys that can help to, you know, bring us together and, and, and take us where we need to be. And, uh, and I just, that's, that to me, you know, more so than, than being a, an all SEC linebacker or, or anything else is just, I take so much pride in that. Uh, and being a captain on that that football team, and because because I, I really feel like yeah we had some great athletes, but I really feel like how many how many teams year in year out have incredible athletes and should win all these games, but they don't because they they're they don't all care about each other like we did. We had so much fun and 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 you know at times too much fun or you know so it felt you know you're you're supposed to be like meathead just hit your head <laughs> on, on the locker, uh, but but we just we kind of kept it loose and we had a good time and we just enjoyed one another. And I would just I would credit that you know, Coach Spurrier gets so much credit for so many things, but but that's one of the things that he kind of just let us kind of run with. I mean, he used to let us. Uh, Nick, I think you've seen some of our crazy rich videos and, and stuff and, and, you know, and, um, and Matt Hayes has written about them and, and, and we've done documentaries, but we had, we had like a, a super fan that we would just, he would come in and like eat Coke cans and, and, you know, just do like crazy things, break things in our locker room is like when we had a big game and, and coach, he would see him come walking in like, all right, all right, rich, my man. And we'd give him tickets and our jerseys. And it's just like, he was part of the team he was our unofficial uh you know uh, team motivator the 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 secret your, behind you know the motivation he man he was your yeah, he was your flavor he, flav. he was yeah yeah without the clock <laughs> <laughs> now um i asked um i asked pat miller this um i think we had him on last week yeah um obviously he played uh during the charlie pell era you played before social media which one of your teammates uh would not have done well with Twitter or Instagram at their fingertips? Well, I would have, uh, I was, I was telling my class this actually mm -hmm. uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, right before the semester ended my, uh, Oh, it, I probably would have, I probably would have been uh, one that would have gotten 
in a little bit of trouble. And, and then I think Coach Spurrier would have had to step in with some of the things. And we, we were discussing all these social media ins and outs. But um, uh, let's see. Donnie Young. Donnie Young didn't uh, – he didn't mince his words ever. So he may, he may have been uh, pretty tough. But I don't know. I, I, I think, too, you know, with all these uh, NILs, what would have been some fun things to uh, attach yourself to uh when you were back there but yeah i wish at times that we would have had social media because if nothing else just for things like tiktok because i was always i always had my big brick camera with me that i was carrying around like when we'd have crazy rich around or when we go on these trips and just for just to be able to edit like these kids can now i i wish that mm-hmm. i could just throw it in and let TikTok spit it back out or let me tweak this and tweak that, I would have gone crazy. But then I would have been an even worse student in the classroom. So I, <laughs> I, I'm pretty good with where I am. I, yeah, but it would have been nice. I, I, can see, I can definitely see James Bates with, uh, with the TikTok presence. I can see Lawrence Wright maybe getting a, a couple of uh, people upset on Twitter uh, every once in a while. But uh, it would have definitely been a fun group. But, uh, but James, do want to ask, so – you, you know, once you get through Tennessee, you win by six. I mean, you power through the rest of your schedule. Um, obviously, the Vanderbilt game is probably a little bit closer than everybody wanted. But, you know, you really power through everybody. You get to that Florida State game. Unfortunately, you know, the Gators do lose 24 to 21. You know, what's the locker room like after, you know, that loss? It was devastating yeah. because it, it really, at that point, it didn't seem like there was any way, you know, hey, we can go win a, uh, another SEC championship. We've got to, you know, kind of get over this one and don't let Florida State beat you twice. Um, and, yeah, obviously there's something to be said about winning a fourth straight SEC championship. But when that, that final step to, to be able to call ourselves national champions, uh, it didn't look like it was going to happen. And then, you know, the stars aligned. And uh, as Coach Spurrier put it, I guess God smiled down upon the Gators. And, uh, and we had some help uh, along the way. And, uh, you know, we, we knew that we were better than the result there in Tallahassee. And not to take anything away from their win, they, they beat us. And, and we didn't play as well as we knew that we, we could. Uh, and so we knew if we had another chance, uh, you know, and, and first with the Texas beating Nebraska in that uh, Big 12 championship game, well, there was our chance to have a rematch with Florida State. Mm-hmm. And so we felt pretty good about that. That was going to be nice. But then, of course, the night before our national championship game, we needed uh, Ohio State to beat Jake Plummer in Arizona State. So we had a lot of, have a lot of things aligned. Um, and I think there, there are like a handful of other things in there as well that weren't yeah. the, the premier games um, that also that, that are included too. I read, I read a, a story where uh, I think it was Norm Carlson was still there, and, and he told Steve, told Coach Spurrier on the field after, uh, after the Sugar Bowl, Coach, we're national champions. And Spurrier goes, what? They voted already? And, uh, you know, <laughs> just, just taking fans back to this, is, this isn't when – this is pre-BCS. This is pre-playoff. It was you, you would get a game that might be the national championship or you would assume is the national championship, but you kind of still had to wait for the voting and for those polls to come out. So even yeah. as, you know, it was number one versus I think number three at the time, and you had gotten Ohio state to, to beat Arizona state the night before in the Rose bowl. Um, still the, the head ball coach is still sitting there thinking like, listen, anything could happen. They could vote, you know, somebody else ahead of us. There's a bunch of teams with one loss. Yeah. Well, what was it? Was it 
90 that they split uh, Colorado mm-hmm. and, yeah. and Georgia tech. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I, shoot, I remember, I mean, a, a lot of Gator fans like to, uh, they'll, they'll holler at me and say Gators baby. And that's because that's what, after the, uh, oh, the AB, the sideline reporter there on the broadcast, right after the game asked me, you know, Hey, should, should Ohio state uh, have a piece of this national title? When I'm like, no, nothing about the Gators, baby. That, you know, that, this is all about the Gators right now. How are you going to ask me that right now? Yeah. Heck no. That's the last thing on my mind. And uh, didn't, didn't feel like sharing, but, uh, but, but we knew we, uh, we finished off on top, especially with a score like that against a, a really good football team in Florida state. Yeah. Nick and, and Nick- Oh, go ahead. Dan. I wanted to I wanted to get back because Dan mentioned. Um, I, I think I love the the quote attributed to uh, uh, the late great coach Bowden after the first time you guys uh, uh, played Florida State that year and lost. Um, I think Danny was sacked six times, hit like twenty one times, um, and, and Coach Spurrier brought a, a film to the the Sugar Bowl refs and showed them, hey, we think these are late hits, and and Bobby Bowden said, you know, we're just playing till the echo of the whistle. Um, what, and that kind of changed the way the offense played. You started playing more shotgun. That was something coach Spurrier hadn't wanted to do as much. How much did that just changing the way the offense was help you guys, I guess, against Alabama the week before or in the sugar, in the SC championship and then in the sugar bowl. Well, it's just, and, and that's coach Spurrier for you, you know, able to, to tweak what, what got us there and, uh, in that fa- final game and, and the bowl prep and even, you know, heading into that first Florida State game, it must have been something that really kind of stood out to him as they watched tape that that there were quite a bit of the playing to the echo of the whistle uh, heading into our game. Because I remember our last practice in the swamp, uh, which would have probably been a, a Thursday night, maybe. Uh, but we before we headed over there uh, to Tallahassee, Coach brought us all around and said, "Hey, you know." these guys are going to hit you late, Danny, you know, and, and, you know, that was, that's one of my favorite head ball coach stories because we're all around him, And he's like, you know, don't be intimidated by these guys. We go up there, they, they hit you late, hit them back. If, if they cuss at you, just cuss back at them. And, and then he looked down at Danny and poor Danny, who, you know, I had never heard uh, sans, sans the, uh, in the shower after the Fiesta Bowl, I had never heard him uh, cuss. And it was always like, ah, doohickey, you know, to, to an extent where it's like, he let you know he didn't cuss. And he, and Spurrier looks down at Danny, he goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, you can cuss at him, can't you, Donnie? And Donnie Young goes, yeah, as long as you don't say, Ugh. yeah, just don't use the F word. Don't use the F word, Donnie. And he goes, how about you, Danny? What do you do when they hit you late? Just say, please don't do that. I mean, just like, oh, I'm like, oh my gosh. But it stuck with me because of that story. But also, you know, and then after the game, and to watch that game, and I was sitting on the bus after the game, just dejected and, you know, sitting, getting ready to go back to Gainesville. And I said to somebody across the aisle from me, I'm like, dude, how tough is Danny Warfel? And, and I looked back, and he, Danny was sitting right behind me, and I didn't even know it. And he's just kind of sitting there and just with his head down. And, and he just he, – he never wanted a, a pat on the back. You know, he, he won the Heisman and got everybody hats, you know, said the Heisman team and everything – but what an incredible guy, incredible friend, and, and he's so tough. And, and Coach Spurrier just, you know, turned the dials just right to, to give him a little bit more time, and, uh, and he was able to go get after him. 
Well, what was the what was the curse word? You said you had never heard Danny curse until uh-huh. yeah, the festival. <laughs> there, there, there was one. I'm, I'm guessing I, I it wasn't. It. I'm guessing it wasn't. It wasn't the F word because yeah, Don made sure it. and Coach well, made sure it wasn't that. Danny only well, listens sometimes, so yeah. hopefully this isn't one of those times. Well, it was a. Uh, I, I so it was me and Doring and Danny. And the way I remember it is, is we had some, uh, some interviews after the Fiesta Bowl, and we were really late getting out of there. And I don't – I mean, maybe a couple of equipment managers still left in the locker room. And just – I remember thinking, too, it was like, oh, my gosh, how do these teams, these, you know, Nebraska teams and, you know, and, and the Oklahomas and it just – our practices, we would, you know, go throw it around a little bit, hit a little bit, and, you know, kind of relied on finesse a little bit more than just the, the brutality of it all. Like, how do they how, – how could I go play a game, uh, you know, next week as, as just beat up as I am right now? So it's just me, Danny, and Doring in the shower, and uh, sitting there, it's just quiet as can be. Nobody else in there, just like, oh, just feeling terrible. And all of a sudden – Danny cussed, and I'm not going to say what Danny said. I can't do that to him. But yeah. Danny, Danny cussed. He swore. Uh, he said I'm sure words. he's forgiven, though. I'm sure he's forgiven. Yeah, I have he's an idea of what he said then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but when he did cuss, when he did, and if you guys ever have Doring on, ask him about it. when he did. Doring and I looked at each other, and we just started laughing so hard. I mean, it was like it, it was. Leave it up to Danny to bring a smile to our faces after that beating. That's in that sure. moment, yeah. And we're, we're, we do, Chris Doring comes on probably two or three times a year, so the next time we come on, Nick, we have All to right. remember to ask him about that question. He might tell you. He might tell you. <laughs> I, I feel like he's uh, he, he definitely doesn't hold back as much as you might. Um and that story. So, so James, do want to want to ask you? You know, so you know, the Gators go on win the national championship. They they come out with probably the most beautiful championship hat of all time. You still own your black and white shockwave Florida Gators hat. No, I don't. And I don't know that I even got one. For some oh, reason, I, I grabbed – I liked the white one better at the time. There are okay. a couple of us that have the white one on. They just say Gators National Champs. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that, that shockwave, that was uh, – maybe I was afraid of getting electrocuted with that thing on. It was a uh, – <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but I just on, I'll give a, oh, this, this guy that I follow on social media that I've gotten to know through that, uh, Dave's freshly used, um, yeah. on Instagram and Twitter. He's got all kinds of cool vintage gear and, and he came up with a batch of them a couple weeks ago and I was, uh, I was trying to buy one, but I, yeah, I, now I would want one. Now I, I want one. I would love to have one. But I still have my my Danny hat, and I still have up in the attic my uh, Gators National Champs, the the white one um, that we we got there after that game. Oh, that shockwave was that was a quintessential '90s design. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah if you need it, if you need to encapsulate the '90s graphic design into just a hat, it was that '96 National Champion hat. Yeah, and, and yeah, there were the, and the there, there were a lot of there were a lot of like real there were. The shirts used to always have a lot of busyness on them, a lot yeah. of text, a lot of like yeah. song lyrics incorporated, or the one that used to say directions to Tallahassee, north till you smell it, west till you step in it. And that, I mean, it's just like a lot of stuff going on at, at, at some of those uh, those bookstores that they sold the Gator gear. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I'll never forget. That was one of the first piece of Gator paraphernalia uh, mm. that I owned because I remember how disappointed. So I was seven. I think I was, I was seven when we lost the national championship against Nebraska. And I was eight. And I remember my parents letting me stay up late, uh, but not enough to like watch like the trophy celebration and all. Right. It was like, hey, we won. You know, it's time for you to go to bed. And I'll never forget my dad. Uh, brought home one from from work after school that day uh, but that's a hat I wish I still had that was uh I mean obviously it wouldn't fit my head's grown I don't know probably you know <laughs> 10 or 12 times since then uh or 12x since then but uh but but James I do got to get you you know a, a couple spurrier stories before uh before we let you go so we have the story of of you uh, pardon me of spurrier uh over in the uh, the panhandle uh, during the Tennessee week, you know, told a couple weeks ago on um, on the big three roll up where they were, you know, you were pontificating or Spurrier was pontificating whether, you know, Phil Fulmer and his staff was was out, uh, you know, on a vacation during that time. And, you know, we've heard the story of, um, you know, Steve Spurrier, you know, telling Danny Werfel it was, you know, not his fault that, you know, he threw that interception that it was his fault for throwing him in. But what are some other stories, you know, some other Spurrier stories that that maybe, you know, don't make the rounds as, as much as often on social media? Well, first of all, it wasn't the golf. Uh, Spurrier was a Crescent Beach guy, even back to the days of, uh, of courting uh, Jerry Spurrier. I, I, I don't remember her, her maiden name, but they used to always go hang out in Crescent Beach when they were in college as well. So that was at Crescent. Um, uh, well, I was, uh, let's see, one because I, I feel like I've told so many of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Forget where you told them or who you told them to. Well, Bado, Ernie Bado, uh, I hosted, I hosted Daryl Bush, and that's that 44 story that everybody's heard that one. Mm-hmm. But I hosted my three guys when I was here. Daryl Bush, who went to Florida State. Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, you might have heard of. We were talking about him earlier here on, <laughs> on the call. And um, didn't get him. And Kirby Smart was actually on that recruiting trip uh, here on a visit to Florida the same weekend that Peyton was in. And then Ernie Batto was the number one defensive line prospect in the nation at the time. And we was from uh, John Curtis High School in New Orleans. And the coaches were like, hey, we got to get this guy. He's, you know, number one defensive lineman in the nation. And after meeting him for like two minutes, I was like, I don't care if he can play or not. We got to get him here just for fun. I mean, this guy is the craziest guy I've ever met. So Bado came and Bado got in trouble. I used to always in the summer, I would go and, and work at my dad's training camps um, where, wherever he was coaching in the NFL. And it was at the time, it was always with the Browns, with Belichick and Saban. I would always a uh, ball boy for Saban actually uh, up there when he was the defensive coordinator, the defensive back coach uh, under uh, Belichick for the Browns. And when I came back after this time that I had been up there in the summer, come to find out that Ernie Batto had been arrested because he punched this guy and at Rickenbackers and all this stuff. And so Spurrier, he came to me one day and he's like, Batesy, you hang around with Batto, don't you? Like, yes, sir. He's like, yeah, well, he looks up to you and you, and you act a little bit crazy and he likes to be crazy. And when he sees you acting crazy, he thinks that's okay. So let's keep it down a little bit around Batto. What do you say? And I was like, all right, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So sure enough, the next day I'm in the training room just messing around. You know, I'd always go in there, try to get in early and, and get taped and mess with the trainers and stuff. And I'm in there just acting a fool. And, and I look up 
in their Spurrier, and he never comes in the training room, but he just happens to be in there. And he's looking at me, and he's just so disappointed in me. He goes, Batesy, I, I thought we talked about you calming down a little bit. I said, well, that was just around Bado, Coach. He goes, oh, you're right, you're right. And he just left, you know. But, I mean, just uh, – I – and, you know, and, uh, Eric Cresser used to cut my hair, and, uh, and he said, Batesy, who cuts your hair? And I'm like, uh, well, Cresser cuts it, Coach. You should let him cut your hair. Oh no! Why would I want to look like a little boy? <laughs> I used to have that little bowl cut. Chris used to just cut it, but just he he used to love to give me a hard time. So so I know like I mean some of my formative you know memories are of of watching Spurrier and you know grew up in a Gator household. You know you know Spurrier was 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 both loved and and loathed by you know whether you rooted for him or whether you rooted against them, but you know, was, was Spurrier the same, you know, on TV or in the media as, as he was, you know, on the football field and as he was, you know, just one-on-one, just kind of a, a quick witch, a sharp guy, um, you know, or did his personality change? I mean, you know, because we, we see that the public persona of him, but what was his, you know, private persona like? Oh, it was, I would, I would really say it's, it's more so than, than any coach I've ever been around. What you see is what you get. What everybody saw is, is, is what they got. And, and that was uh, that was a really cool thing about him. And that was the thing I think that everybody uh, respected. You know, we didn't defensively, we really didn't deal with him that much unless we were playing, you know, we had a, a bad game, which fortunately we didn't have a lot of bad games, but when we did, he'd come over and sit in with us and, you know, and have the, the coordinator at the time, whoever it was and take us through it. But we didn't deal with him that much. And um, you know, when he, he, he was, it was just, you know, kind of what you see, uh, what you saw in the media is exactly what we got to. He, he was funny. He was quick. He, he you know, he, he didn't, didn't have a lot of time for bullshit. And he's like, all right, here we go. Here we go. You know, stick and move, stick and move. Um, but it was, uh, that was, that was just what we got to, which was really neat about him. That reminds me, um, he, uh, in a, I was researching some stuff before I wrote the 25th anniversary story. Um, Spurrier wanted to go out to Bourbon Street after uh, winning the Sugar Bowl, and uh, I think I think it was Norm Carlson, whoever is his uh, assistant at the time, is like, Coach, you can't you can't do that. You will get mauled if you go out to Bourbon Street. He goes, Don't worry, I have a disguise. He goes up to his room and comes down with a hat. And <laughs> Spurrier's idea of his disguise on Bourbon Street would be, Well, I'm not going to wear a visor. I'm going to wear a hat. They said they made it 10 steps onto Bourbon Street. Someone yells, this is Spurrier. They have to turn around. He had to get off Bourbon Street real quick. Oh, man. That's a bummer. I, I would have loved to have had him down at, uh, uh, at the Catch Me Out with a singing karaoke that night. That would have been perfect. Well, I, I, I read somewhere that uh, a couple of the offensive linemen were out doing karaoke prior to the game, and they might have said some, some things about Florida State's not going to be able to do something, and it made the papers. Oh, I don't know. I, I do know when, when it comes to offensive linemen uh, pregame, the night mm-hmm. before when we were watching that uh, uh, Arizona State-Ohio State game in the Rose Bowl and Ohio State come back late uh, to win it, um, I was in Zach Piller's room, and, and he got so excited. He jumped up on the bed, and, you know, Piller being like, what, 325 – he, there's not a lot of clothes that, you know, he's just carrying around. He got his big and tall man's uh, corduroys on and his crotch split from like zipper <laughs> to belt loop on the back. And he knew that I could sew. And he's like, you got to sew my pants. You got to sew my pants. So 
I went down because he said it was my fault that he got so excited. I had to go to the front desk and get their little plastic sewing kit. And so the night before our national championship game, I think we were in Gonzales, Louisiana, I think is where the Holiday Inn they took us to. <laughs> oh my gosh. And for I, 30 minutes, I'm sitting there sewing Zach Pillar's worn out green corduroy crotch of his pants. <laughs> True story. What a time. What a time. Well, yeah. Bates, um, go ahead, Nick. No, no, I'm good. I, I was wondering how hard it is to sew corduroy. Yeah, well, it's it's that 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 hem that's already there was kind of tough. So I just did the best job that I could. And the thing is, knowing that, you know, this is going to be pretty rugged. So I had to kind of like spend a lot of time. It wasn't like I could make it just like a loose stitch. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Bates, uh, it's the 25th anniversary National Champions. Congratulations to, to you. Obviously, you have a ton of stuff going on um, in your life and in your career, both with the artwork uh, broadcasting and uh, your time at the University of Florida as a professor. Um, I do want to ask you just kind of one, you know, question, just because I don't think we've ever really dove into this. I, I know that you, you know, you're a professor at the University of Florida. What, what's your, what are your classes about or, or what's, you know, kind of what do you want to get out of your students when you're, you know, as a professor? Because obviously it's, you know, very different than your other, you know, facets of your career. Well, it's it's a the, the class is called and thanks for asking about that. I, I love teaching this class. I love being around these students this this last semester. We, we just had way too much fun. And and I was just uh, we have our little uh, uh, group DM on Instagram, the whole class. And uh, and they were hollering at me yesterday with the 25 year anniversary. And, and I was just let them all know how much I'm going to miss them when uh, new semester starts. It's, it's a play-by-play on-air talent class, but it's, you know, there are, there are a lot of, this will be my 10th semester, I'm pretty sure, in the spring. And, and there are now, oh, oh law, uh, law students that are taking it. It's, you know, it, at times it's like a public speaking class. It's, uh, you know, and it's, I try, I get in there first day and I'm like, look, when I was sitting in that chair, I didn't want a lot of homework. I didn't, you know, and, but I, you know, I have a couple classes that stand out to me that the, the we had a good time in there. We were, were all positive and, and got along and knew one another and, and we got better. And those are the classes that I'll never forget. And those are the professors that I'll never forget. And I just, I try so hard to make it a memorable class, a memorable experience, uh, an experience where everybody improves, whether they want to get into TV or not, they can learn about TV they can, you know, learn how to tell a story, learn how to just, just, I mean, like just lead with your heart and everything that you do. And it's just, at times it's just a, a public speaking or, or storytelling or, or just, you know, just how to be a team player and, and to put up the phones and to just kind of be a part of a team because more and more there are kids that, that even make their way to, to college. They, they don't interact. And now, especially with the pandemic, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's few and far between and I just love that we can, you know, I'll have something that happens in one of my games and it'll be something where I'll, I'll write it down and we'll talk about it and spend half the class, you know, should I have done this? And, and what do you think about this decision that I made? And, and what do you think? And, and, and what would you have done? And, and how can we grow from it? And, and, you know, what are some other examples from things that we've seen this past weekend and how other people handled it differently? And, but there, there are times too where we'll go in there 
and we'll just talk about music and we'll spend pretty much the whole class talking music and but we'll get our reps in at the same time because so much of, of what we do is about reps and people want to see how good you are but to get work you have to have had work but how am i going to mm -hmm. get work if i don't have any work but and so i want to give them reps and give them reps and give them reps and at the same time talk about that rep because when you do get those first couple jobs the the suits don't really uh, not always do you get somebody who's going to kind of put their arm around you and say, Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. They just kind of expect you to go and be right. and, and do good. And so to give them some, uh, but we'll talk about music, the whole class, but we'll be like, all right, Robin, take us to break. All right. We've been talking about country, but when we come back, we're going to talk about marshmallow and all kinds of, you know, the, the conscious that I like. So stay right there. And so we just get these reps, get these reps and like, bring us back from break. Bring it. What do we get? And so we just kind of like try to, to, to rep things like that. And I just real world experiences and just, um, just the, the positive energy that, that I just, I mean, I just told that, that class last semester. I'm like, look, guys, if there's one thing that, that I, I hope you learn from class this semester is just, the, just be a positive influence to, to people that you meet. And, and just there's so much ugly out there. Just be a good person and be somebody that your parents are proud of and that the Gator Nation is proud of. Make just, you know, be happy. And we were happy in this class. And, you know, it's so good to see you smiling to, to a fault. I try to make people smile too much sometimes, but uh, you know, I'm, I don't apologize for that. And I, and I just want people to just, to just get good and, and joy out of, of being in my class and, and to go in and to kind of hopefully, you know, just, just be that way and, and to be happy people because there's so much negativity out there. I think I saw, it might've been Instagram live, but you had, um, a ping pong tournament. I think it was outside and doing sideline play-by-play -play announcing and then also sideline interviews in between. And, and that might, you know, not seem like uh, an actual assignment to someone. I'm like, Oh, that's, that would have been the first time me as a college student would have had the opportunity to do play-by-play -play live or a, an interview with somebody who was competing live. Um, so just little things like that, that, you know, uh, I think are, interesting ways mm -hmm. that you, you get these, these students experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Ted Spiker, the, uh, the, the chair mm -hmm. of the college of, of journalism, he, when he first asked me, I got chills because I thought, Oh gosh, you know, I, I've done all kinds of, you know, hosting and, and play by play and, 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 and color and, and all this work in TV, you know, not saying that I've mastered any of it, but I've, I've experienced a lot of it and I, I've done a lot of different things and, you know, even documentaries and, 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 and movies for that matter. And it's like, wow, if somebody was teaching a class at the University of Florida, when I was being recruited, like the class I'm getting ready to teach, not knowing what in the heck I was even going to do, I'm like, that would have made UF that much more attractive to me. And if I can make the University of Florida that has done so much for me that much better. That's just the coolest thing in the world for me. And I'm so proud of it. So proud to be able to call myself a professor. And it's, you know, sound, you hear this all the time. It's very cliche, but I, like I, if they said, Hey, we can't pay you anymore. I would just ask if I could still just go and teach the class. It's, you know, I mean, I just, I really enjoy being around those students and, and, and all of us getting better together. James, I know we've kept you on a long time, but I do want to ask you, I saw uh, is either yesterday or today um, that you have a new show out on Roku and a number of channels that are going to be on Roku. What, what's, the, what's the new show about? Well, it's uh, Raycom Sports uh, out of Charlotte. They, they 
they have done our uh, ACC package um, the whole time I've been there with them. They, they so they do live events and and a lot of other shows. And they just started on Origin Sports is the name of the network. Okay. Um, uh, a couple shows, and one of them is one that they have me hosting called Portraits. And so they kind of incorporate my art a little bit. And we started off with uh, with Coach Spurrier. And, uh, you know, it was it was a great fit. And we went and talked to him at, at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. And they came up and shot a lot of stuff in my studio. And so it's it's the first of many, hopefully. And if you go to uh, I'll try to put it on Twitter when it's going to re-air. Uh, but if you were to search it, I guess, on your smart TV, Origin Sports and Portraits is the name of it. Uh, there's the one show. And then, you know, we, we plan on bouncing around and they're like, who else? Who else uh, do you want to do it? I was like, I want to do it. Brian Bosworth. I would, I would love to go <laughs> sit down with the boss. So that's, that's one guy. And, you know, I worked for a few years with Aaron Taylor, uh, a great lineman at Notre Dame, and then uh, a Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he just was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. He'd be a guy that I would, uh, would love to sit down with. And just, you know, these, these people that, that I, again, try to get my class to meet, the people that have been just – just positive influences on my life. It's so nice. That's one thing that Zoom can do is you can bring these people like, uh, you know, Coy Wire or Danny Warfel or um, or Coach Spurrier, bring them in, into the classroom. It's so much easier for them to, to stop by and, and say hello. Uh, all these people that, that I just, I'm so glad that they get a chance to meet, but it's kind of people like that. You know, I they don't want to gator it up too much, but I would love to sit down with Thad Bullard, uh, yeah, you know, would just be an, an amazing sit down. Caleb Dressel would be really cool as well. So, uh, yeah, I got it. Got it. Got a nice big list. And I, I got to kind of like two for you, one for me. Every, <laughs> I, maybe every third will be a Gator. How about that? I love it, man. I love it. Well, James, it's, it's always a pleasure uh, to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Uh, remind everybody where not only they can look at your artwork, where they can follow you on social media. All right, at Jay Batesy on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is more fun. I'm more fun over on Instagram. Uh, but JB, the number 8SY or B8SY, uh, paint.com is the website. And you can go and get some shirts like this cool one that says, Buckle up your shit if you want to go hit somebody. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. I, I, should, I should have worn my shirt. Thank you for my Be Less Sucky shirt. And I got a koozie I, with that as well. I, I got to get me some one. extras there for me, James. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the order. See you Absolutely. guys. Happy Thank New you. Year. Thanks, James. We'll talk Year. to you soon, my friend. Okay. All right. Well, Nick, it is always a pleasure to get James Bates on the show. Uh, but before we move on, I do want to revisit the topic we were talking about beforehand. Let's give a shout out to our friends over at Game Time Sidekicks. Visit GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use promo code STADIUM. Get 10% off uh, your vacuum-sealed cups. Uh, best of quality, best of brand, uh, vacuum-sealed cups. I use them every time I have a hot drink or a cold drink to go. Visit GameTimeSidekicks.com. Promo code STADIUM. A lot of you tagged us in your uh, holiday purchases of Game Time Sidekicks cups. I uh, hope you enjoy them. Thank you so much. Again, GameTimeSidekicks.com, promo code stadium, get 10% off. Uh, Nick, do want to revisit the topic with you before uh, we ended on the last conversation. I know you dove into it a little bit, uh, but there is some, some concern uh, in rage and cage and country 
you know, that they're losing a lot of their support staffers, you know, even so far as that they're recruiting are they're losing their folks in their recruiting graphics department, um, you know, should Rage and Cajun fans feel upset or should this just be a kind of an understanding that, you know, this was going to happen? Or is there some, maybe some, some misunderstanding from, from kind of the beginning, beginning of the Billy Napier era of, Hey, I'm going to stick around through the bowl and, and show you how much I care about you guys. Well, I think, I think we, we, we even touched on this a little bit. Um, how, how accepted, I guess, uh, one way to say it, or, I mean, the, the, the student section had a thanks Billy, um, banner for them. Um, it seemed like the the entire community of Lafayette understood that Billy's not going to be our coach for 40 years. Like he's going to go somewhere else. We're happy to have him while we have him. Um, and then I saw uh, the new head coach, Michael Desermew, Desermo. I'm yeah. not sure I'm saying that. Yeah, one um, or the he, other. He tweeted the definition of integrity, one firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values, colon, incorruptibility. Um, and some were, I don't know if they were uh, conjecturing if that referenced Billy or if the players that were I mean, I think it, it for or, sure did, right? Uh, I, I, who am I to make that? Uh, yeah, that but who leap? are you not to not make that assumption on Stadium and Kale an hour and 12 <laughs> minutes into the show? <laughs> My flu game. My flu game. Sorry about the cough. I've been trying to mute myself as I cough throughout the throughout the show. Um, but it, it's like I said before. You, you're you're getting a you, you got an opportunity to go to, to UL where you don't have the same kind of money that can be put into the program. You've made it a point of emphasis when you're before accepting this new job. Hey, I don't care what you're paying me. I'm going to be an SEC head coach. I'm sure I'll get paid fine. I need. X amount of dollars to fill out my coaching staff. I need X amount of dollars to fill out this infrastructure that I want. And then when you're building that infrastructure, Hey, I've had success with these people who have bought into my core beliefs of a program. Why would I go and start searching America for people like them? If I can bring them over and bring that, that infrastructure with me. And I, and I think that's what Billy's doing. And a lot of people um, Silks even said it to to a lesser extent. But a lot of people, when when he started recruiting guys, they're like, "When's he gonna start recruiting Florida?" And I go, "Well, these are guys that are in that Louisiana footprint. That he's been recruiting guys that he's already familiar with that he might have offered at UL and didn't have a chance to get. Like when Dan Mullen offered, probably bad example for Gator fans. But when Dan Mullen offered Emory Jones, he was the first SEC offer." for Emory Jones um, and at, the, at a smaller school, UL, Billy's going to offer kids who are never going to go to UL, but you just get in the door and you try to build that relationship. Um, and, and those are just the kids he was familiar with recruiting who got extended offers first. And I think that's what you're seeing as he builds his staff out. I think I haven't pulled up um, on one of these, one of these tabs. I think there's 19 player or 19 of the staff members Um 19 staff members have been hired that have ties to UL and 10 mm -hmm. of the 29 have no ties to UL. So mm -hmm. there's definitely a, a mix or, uh, or a lean towards the UL, but it's not like he's only hired um, people that worked for him at Louisiana. Right. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand. I, I mean, I think that's a tough spot. I mean, you have to put yourself in the position of, you know, all of the people taking jobs as well. You can, you can imagine that every single one of them, you know, probably got a significant, if not substantial increase in base pay. Right. So, you know, as much as you can criticize Billy Napier and, you know, say, Hey, you know, he went and poached this staff, you know, at the end of the day, it's an opportunity for, you know, increased visibility, increased money, increased opportunity. There's a lot of other things that go into it beyond just, you know, Billy Napier should just sit back and just say, Hey, everybody that I hired for my old job, you know, sorry, you're, you're no longer a candidate for my new job. You, ha- you have to think of, you know, the opportunity for these individuals and Billy Napier at no point, you know, not taking his side, just taking a neutral point. You know, nobody was forced to by, by gunpoint is, you know, what my sources are saying. Nobody at, at gunpoint was forced to, to take a new job at the university of Florida. They are good sources stayed. there. Dan. Yeah, yeah. Good sources. <laughs> yeah. Multi-sourced, uh, you know, report there, but, um, you know, we're, we're, we're entitled to, you know, stay at, at Louisiana Lafayette. So, you know, I, I can understand, you know, that Louisiana fans, maybe even, you know, the current staff at Louisiana feels, you know, like they were uh, gutted, but at the end of the day, you have to look at it as opportunities for individuals as well, you know, that went in and, and put in the hard work and, and that's, you know, what comes of it. You know, we talked about it on the show five weeks ago, how bad we felt, you know, when coaches got fired and the number of people that lost their jobs, you know, that were associated, you can't then say, oh, hey, like these individuals that were able to then, you know, move up in their career, potentially make more money, potentially move to, you know, an opportunity, it gives them more visibility and an opportunity to maybe get, you know, that next on-field promotion or that next, you know, move from assistant director to director role, um, you know, on the graphics department, more visibility of what they're doing. You can't then criticize them for taking that opportunity, you know, when that window does become available. Yeah. And, and there's, there's, going to be more visibility at the University of Florida than, than you know, Louisiana. Um, that's just a fact. It's not trying to put yep. you all down at all. Um, there's more money available. There's $5 million for Billy Napier to hire that infrastructure. There's seven and a half to, five, to, to hire those 10 um, on-field coaches and then another five to hire the personnel analysts and the director of, you know, transfer portal um, there, there's at least six figures to hire someone for punting propaganda. I'm yeah. just going to keep putting that out there until it becomes a job title. Right. Yeah. Speak it into existence. Uh, Got to speak it into existence. So, um, and, and then like you said, uh, from that, you know, maybe, uh, maybe one of these guys, you know, um, uh, bird Cheryl, he's been a scout in the NFL. Now he's a director of a college personnel maybe that leads him into getting a job, a bigger job at another school or a director of scouting in the mm-hmm. NFL. Um, so it, it's, there's, there's always weird ladders of how you can go across getting your, uh, the next shot in your career, the next big break in your career. And um, I think moving, you know, from a school like UL or even moving down a step. If you're looking at the NFL down to college, uh, moving back a step to take two forward, I think there's going to be a bunch of more hires made. And I I get it. If if people Mm -hmm. at UL are thinking, Hey, we had a great four, four year run. And now you're kind of souring on it because that infrastructure is being taken away. Well, I don't know what you expected. Um, The season's over. He said he would wait until the season was over until 
a lot of this stuff happening. If you go back and look at the timestamps and the receipts, uh, he did wait until after the New Orleans Bowl to take the good majority of these people away. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, now, Nick, like your like your thoughts and like your take there. Uh, speaking of Louisiana, uh, the Gators well, today. Go ahead, and, go ahead and clip that, Spence. I just got a Dan saying he liked my thoughts and take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Timestamp that, clip that. Let's put it up on yeah. Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, put it on TikTok. Let the world know. Um, speaking of taking things from Louisiana that made uh, Louisiana f- uh, fans upset, uh, the Gators today announced uh, the addition of uh, offensive line transfer Cameron Waits, uh, huge guy, uh, six foot eight, three hundred and fifty eight pounds. Um, I don't know, you know, I hadn't heard his name in the transfer portal. Uh, that doesn't, you know, mean much. Um, you know, his name, um, you know, was announced today. Uh, reading Louisiana message boards uh, was considered their best freshman uh, player on the offensive side of the ball. You know, does announce that he's coming over to University of Florida today. And I, I don't want to say a surprise, but certainly, uh, you know, a welcome addition where Florida does need uh, additional bodies on the offensive line. Nick, any thoughts or any knowledge of of, uh, of Cameron uh, Waits before we move forward? Um, just a, a massive guy. Uh, we have him on three listed as an interior offensive lineman. Um, but like you said, six, six foot eight, 372. Um, big old guy and Florida needs help on the offensive line for sure. Yeah. So again, you know, don't know. Uh, I'm not one to pontificate one way or another uh, about the development prospects of a, of a freshman uh, obviously has a great size, has a good frame, you know, don't really know. Um, I do know that if we, you know, rewind in three months, you know, the, the optics of this would look different, you know, with people wondering about John Hevesy and everything else. I'll say this the way that I said it then, the way that I'll say it now, offensive line is truly one of the hardest positions to, you know, project that, you know, if Billy Napier um, and um, the, uh, the new offensive line, assistant offensive line coach, whose name is, is slightly escaping. Stapleton, Stapleton uh, Darnell Stapleton. Uh, if, if that, if they were guys that, you know, thought, you know, that he could come in and contribute at the SEC level, then I'm going to trust them over my analysis uh, of him. Welcome him to Gator Nation and hope that, you know, he adds not only a, a physical body, but an able body to be able to contribute uh, at the next level. Um, but with that news coming out today, there was news that came out yesterday. Max Olson from The Athletic uh, reported that that probably the two top players from the University of Louisiana last year, Osiris Torrance, an offensive lineman, uh, I believe he plays right guard, uh, and Louisiana cornerback uh, Makai Garner uh, both put their names into the portal. A number of people uh, have mentioned that they would not be surprised if they uh, did not jettison right over to the uh, University of Florida. Nick, have you heard anything on Osiris Torrance and Makai Garner, who both have been projected NFL draft picks and, you know, in a variety of cases, you know, even top two and top three uh, round draft picks? Yeah, I think um, Makai is someone who I think has been you know, on the rumor mill of coming to Florida ever since the hire of Billy Napier was was uh, announced or even maybe before it was announced, you know, when, before it was announced, even though it was, uh, it was news before it was official news. Um, I think he's a guy that Florida would be looking at. It's interesting though, because if, if you're Florida, I think we're sitting here and, and this week 
<clears throat> excuse me, this week I think we'll maybe get some news on Kyrie Elam, and he's he's someone who I think the the prospect of his draft stock sliding a little bit now uh, thought of as a fringe first rounder, whereas coming into the year. Uh, was probably a surefire top 15 pick. Mm -hmm. Then the possibility of being able to work with Corey Raymond. Um, Kyrie Elam's not necessarily 100% locked to leave Florida and go to the NFL. And um, then you think, okay, well, Kyrie, Jason Marshall on the other side, you get Avery Helm back, and and does it make sense for a guy then who has limited eligibility to come to Florida? So maybe that would be something that would be taken into consideration and uh, a decision that might not be made until after Kyrie's future plans are announced. Put yourself in uh, Makai Garner's you know, shoes here for a second, Nick. And I know that that's tough because it's not your career that you're playing with. You know, is there a chance where maybe, you know, you already have some great film on tape from Louisiana. Maybe you come into Florida, you know, and play that, you know, second or third uh, you know, let, uh, let's assume that Kyrie Elam does come back. Jason Marshall, you know, comes back, right? So those are your top mm-hmm. two, you know, corners into next year. Do you see a situation, you know, as, you know, CB2, CB3, you know, kind of in that that fringe between those, you know, but because he already has the quality film on tape from Louisiana, but does come in and, you know, learn under a guy like Corey Raymond, maybe that benefits his career more than, you know, simply being in the same situation at Louisiana where maybe, you know, them as a, a team and as a, a staff take a step back. Um, it, it, It's interesting because I think you've, you've, you've certainly gotten enough tape. Um, uh, but does it hurt or help, you know, going to a bigger school, um, you know, can, can certainly help. Um, but if you're going to that, that bigger school and, and not playing or not contributing in the same way, does that hurt? Mm-hmm. Do they say, okay, well, you're going to take another big step up going from the SEC to the NFL and are, are we going to see more diminishing returns at, yeah. at your next step up? So as much as it can can help, I think it can't hurt if you're transferring to a bigger school and, and not making that same impact. If you go – if you're an all-sunbelt guy and then you go to the SEC and you're even a second-round SEC or a second-team a second All-SEC player – Okay, we, we see that, that that those skills translated. Um, but if you go and you're a second string player and you're getting one third of the snaps that you used to get, it's like, all right, well, what happened? Well, why weren't you playing here? Was was that stage too big? And if I'm an NFL scout, now I have I have more questions. So I think that's something where if you're looking to transfer from a smaller conference into the power five, you need to or at least I would, and maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way, I would want to not have an insurance, but think, okay, I can come in and play here right away. I'm not just going to mm-hmm. come in because I'm going to get more Jordan gear from Florida. And, and, I, and I want some more shoes in my last year of college before I go to the NFL. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's a tough decision. And, and like you said, I think a lot of it does hinge on, on Kyer Elam, pardon me, coming back, you know, one way or another, but that's certainly a name uh, that you're going to want to keep an eye out for. Uh, but I think Osiris Torrance is probably a guy that, you know, Florida could, could certainly use play that right guard position, uh, you know, was considered an all conference player. Um, you know, was ranked one of the highest ranked uh, offensive linemen, uh, you know, according to pro football focus, uh, you know, comes in, you know, potentially to the University of Florida, potentially takes that spot that that Ryan Braun has been, um, you know, you know, has been kind of a shoe in for, um, you know, 
where does he fit in and what do the Gators potentially do with a guy like Ryan Braun if, you know, he does come in? Because you have to take him. I mean, the the proven talent is is there. Sure. Um, I, do you just take him and, and then let it play out? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, hey, whoever whoever's going to play is going to play. Um, I think really highly of Ryan Braun. I think does what's where's his future? Um, yeah. A guy that I could see playing tackle. I thought Jared Mincy, who who has you know signed with with Tennessee. I thought Mincy would be a guy that would start you know potentially at right tackle next year. Um, but with him out, can you slide Braun to to tackle? So I think Braun has versatility. Um, and when you're looking at the offensive line, um, taking a guy in the transfer portal um, isn't going to impact you three, four years down the line. So you still need to continue recruiting that position. Um, but when it comes to a guy like Ryan Braun, who I believe will be a redshirt sophomore next year, um, that means he could, he could potentially leave after your redshirt sophomore year. Um, I, it, I'm not worried about making, you know, a redshirt sophomore mad by bringing somebody else in and saying, Hey, listen, you've started games here and we're just bringing in some guys for depth because it's a tough position. Guys are going to get hurt throughout the year. Yeah. And then let them compete. Yeah, no, I, I would agree hundred percent. I think that that's a guy that you have to bring in. I mean, I think that his, you know, what you've seen on tape out of Osiris Torrance is a guy that you, you need somewhere. And I think that you figure it out. Um, you know, I think that there's still an opportunity for, you know, somebody like Ryan Braun, you know, somewhere on the offensive line. I think that there's a number of spots, you know, but this offensive line, if anything, just needs capable and able bodies to be able to come and produce. I think that that's one of, you know, Florida's Achilles heels over the last couple of years has been capable offensive linemen, right? I mean, I think that if you look back, you know, Dan Mullen, you know, and John Hevesy at the time said, hey, we need eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I forgot whatever the number they said is capable offensive linemen, right? There's times that we wondered if Florida had five, right? Or four even, right? So this is an opportunity for Florida, you know, to bring in a talented player, somebody that understands the offensive Billy Napier's running. And if anything offers additional bodies to be able to, to potentially help or, or, you know, put a bandaid over where there could be an issue and put then, you know, where your other offensive linemen you know, could potentially thrive, you know, in that opportunity, but pardon me, but I do think that Florida absolutely needs a guy like Osiris Torrance. I think that when you're talking about, you know, players that can really elevate Florida, he's one of those uh, guys. Let's see. In other Gators news, uh, we talked about Cameron Waits. Uh, He did enroll today. Uh, Kamari Wilson enrolled uh, today as well. Uh, And because it has hit the Twitter streets, uh, it, around Trevor Etienne, uh, the four-star running back out of Louisiana, the brother of uh, Jacksonville Jaguars first-run pick Travis Etienne, uh, potentially committing to Florida, you know, sometime in the future. Five foot nine, two hundred eighteen-pound running back out of Jennings, Louisiana, uh, four-star uh, composite guy. I'm two four seven, and I believe he's the the same uh, over at on three. He's considering Florida, Clemson, and LSU, and he's going to announce on Saturday. Um, I think three more, uh, three more guys that will enroll um, early um, are Devin Moore, safety, um, offensive tackle David yep. Connor, and defensive tackle Chris McLennan. Uh, Moore and McLennan are two guys to watch. This week in the All-American Bowl out in San Antonio. Um, and uh, they're kind of like uh, 
like Kamari, uh, yeah. just kind of wait for their, uh, how was called the bowl game, wait for their um, all American game to finish. And then they'll be on campus after that. Yep. And then we talked about him last week, uh, the wide receiver, Jacob Cohen out of, um, University of Texas El Paso did announce today. We said that Florida's chances were, were quite limited last week. He did have a son uh, out in Arizona. He did announce today uh, that he is in Arizona. So uh, we did, you know, we try to forewarn you guys. You uh, heard so it here first. Uh, yeah. So hopefully that's not too much of a surprise uh, to you. A uh, lot of recruiting, it does seem. It, and we'll talk a little more about it uh, next week, which will be the weekend before what seemingly is going to be one of the biggest Gator weekends in a long, long time on January 14th through the 16th, where the Gators will have, I don't know, probably anywhere between 12 and 15 official visitors, kind of a who's who of who's left uh, for uh, for Gator Nation. Uh, and they do seem to be trending quite well for some big names out there. So it should be an exciting, if not at least interesting, uh, close to the end of the 2022 recruiting class. And I would not be surprised if you don't see uh, some additional names entering uh, the transfer portal or coming to the University of Florida via the transfer portal. With that being said, the Gators uh, did have two players pull their names out of their uh, transfer portal this past weekend, both Dante Zanders, uh, formerly Dante Lang, formerly tight end, now d defensive lineman, pulled his name out on Sunday and then on Saturday, Lloyd Summers' defensive uh, end uh, pulled his name out as well. So the Gators will be welcoming back both Lloyd Summerall and Dante Xanders, which if anything would be great for depth. And if at most could, you know, certainly be contributors going into the 2022 year. Yeah. Um, and some people that on our message board um, at Gators online were asking like, listen, um, you'll, you'll say this and, and coaches can say what they want. Um, scholarships are not four year contracts. Um, they have to be re-signed every single year. Um, Tim Tebow had to go into the office in the summer and re-sign his financial aid papers um, every year. So they're not. There's no such thing as a four-year scholarship, even if a coach wants to say that. So for guys like Summerall and, and and Lang to take their names out of the portal, that would lead me to believe that they've had discussions with the new staff and that they would have scholarships at least for the spring term. Um, by coming back and, and removing their name from the portal. Um, obviously, that can change. And, and I said, you know, I think we'll have more movement in the transfer portal after spring, not just from the Gators, from all the schools. I mean, Dylan Gabriel just decommitted, uh, the UCF, former UCF quarterback, just decommitted from UCLA and recommitted to Oklahoma. Um, so you're going to still have some more transfer portal stuff happening after spring football. Once all these new coaches, you know, player goes through and everything sounds good with the new coach. And then you go through spring football and you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I need to find somewhere else. So I think you'll see uh, some more movement uh, after spring, you know, when we get into March, April. Muted, Dan. 
Sorry about that. Um, how about Oklahoma, you know, going into the season, you know, with Spencer Rattler, you know, with Caleb Williams, you know, following in, you know, in his tracks with Lincoln Riley, you know, as the head coach going into the off season with Brent Venables as their head coach with Spencer Rattler over at the university of South Carolina. And now Caleb Williams, you know, in the transfer portal, likely looking like he's headed uh, over to uh, USC on the West coast. Um, you know, so just to, you know, it's it's crazy what this transfer portal can do, and you know, I I for one am appreciative of the opportunity that kids now have the same opportunity that head coaches have had for all of these years. The opportunity for them, you know, to play not only for the coaches that they want, but to be able to put them in the best position to be successful. And if their situation changes from a head coach perspective, they're not just told to deal with it. They're allowed to make what they believe is the best opportunity for them and the best decision for them moving forward. So I'm excited for it. People call it NFL or uh, NCAA free agency. Heck I'm here for it. We've had it. We just talked about, you know, Billy Napier, you know, bringing over a couple of his staff guys and then, you know, 19 other people over. Hey, if he can do it, why the heck can't these kids do it as well? Yeah, I, um, I'm here for it as well. And uh, all I hear when people yell about it is, well, you don't care about the player. You just care that they were wearing your your school's helmet. Right. And, and if that, that's fine if that's the case. But don't, you know, pretend to care about the person wearing the helmet, you know, if you're going to get mad when they decide to transfer once the situation changes, you know, uh, where they were. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Well, Nick, normally this is when Silk would come in with a fantastic Manscaped ad read, um, you know, but none, neither of us are as clever, and I think both of us are playing a little bit of a flu game uh, today. So visit manscaped.com, use promo code SG, get <laughs> 20% off, free shipping. Keep your family jewels jewel-like, I guess. I, I don't really know. I don't have any puns. Nick, do you have any sitting? Yeah, no. you have any puns that you can sit on? No, I'm, I'm uh, the big pause. I'm popping another Vicks Vapo Cool as my throat. <clears throat> I can. I've heard my throat get worse and worse. My voice get worse and worse as the uh, the show has gone on. I think I'm on my last uh, vocal cord here. Well, I'll tell you what we are. Let me see how many exactly of Stadium and Gale uh, we've done. We've done exactly. 156 episodes of Stadium and Gale, which means I think about 130 of which have been sponsored by Manscaped. If you want to learn more about Manscaped and what it can provide for you and the male genitalia area, please feel free to go visit any of those 130 other podcasts. You'll find a great ad read for Manscaped in the last 10 minutes of every single one of those. Uh, as a reminder, please do not put the ball deodorant on your face. Uh, Nick is uh, the only one that can do that. But uh, Nick, I think we have uh, you with the song of the week this week, and then we'll take everybody out. And we appreciate Oof. you uh, you joining us this week. I was unprepared uh, for song of the week. Mm. It was wildly unprepared. Um, I'll go with one that I've been listening to a bunch. Let's go. Somebody's problem, Morgan Wallen. Okay, all right. Big fan um, of of his music. Uh, have some issues with him personally, but that's okay. Uh, Morgan Wallen will take us out. Nick, same corner, same time next week, and we'll, we'll hopefully, bring uh, in better, hopefully in better health next week. Hopefully, hopefully in better health. Hey, both of us uh, get better. Nick, we'll see you next week. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. Thanks, James Bates. Again, allenhorninsurance.com, homefieldapparel.com. 
uh, GameTimeSidekicks.com and Manscaped.com. We really appreciate your support each and every week. Thank you so much. Same corner, same time next week. Bama Red Four on a pull into the party with a 38 sticker on the back windshield. Two tone tank tops slipping off her shoulder. Kind of girl wants to step out the world stand still. Ooh, I know where this is going. I already know it's she's somebody's problem. Somebody's goodbye. Somebody's last call number that they can't find. Somebody's best day. Somebody's worst night. Somebody's reason for leaving on the porch slide. Think about them tan lines. And I'm thinking, damn, I'd love to drown in them heartbreak of blue eyes. And somebody's problem. And somebody's problem's about to be mine. About to be mine. Kind of girl wants you had her. You can't stand to lose her. Kind of girl where your friends tell you don't if it up. Kind of girl that goes from trying to just get her number To sliding through the summer to talking about love Ooh, I think I'm liking where it's going I'd like to tell me some of somebody's problem Somebody's goodbye Somebody's last call number that they can't find Somebody's best day Somebody's worst night Somebody's reason for leaving on the porch slide Think about them tan lines And I'm thinking, damn, I'd love to drown in them heartbreak of blue eyes And somebody's problem And somebody's problem's about to be mine About to be mine Oh, hey baby, don't just keep me wishing Oh, let me get to fixing somebody's problem Somebody's goodbye, somebody's last call number that they can't find Somebody's best day, somebody's worst night Somebody's reason for leaving on the porch slide Think about them tan lines, and I'm thinking, damn, I'd love to drown in them heartbreak of blue eyes See somebody's problem, and somebody's problem's about to be mine About to be mine about to be mine About to be mine